Chat with Traders is sponsored by Trade the Pool. Are concerns about limited buying power, insufficient capital, or fear of losing your own money preventing you from advancing your trading capabilities? Trade the Pool is an online stock trading prop firm that offers funding for stock traders. Demonstrate your skills, trade their capital, and keep your profits. You can engage in intraday trading and now swing trading on Trade the Pool with any U.S. stock or ETF. The procedure is straightforward. Pay an evaluation fee, successfully complete the evaluation, and get funded. Visit tradethepool.com forward slash chat to learn more. You've seen the headlines. Bonds are making a comeback. But if you've ever tried to invest in bonds, you know what a clunky, complicated, broken experience it can be. That's why at Public, they took fixed income and fixed it. Now you can find, evaluate, and buy thousands of bonds with an investing experience designed this century. Add fixed income to your portfolio with corporate, treasury, and municipal bonds. Go to public.com forward slash bonds podcast to get started. This podcast is sponsored by Public. Full disclosures can be found at public.com forward slash bonds. The biggest secret of the best traders in the world is that they're just like everyone else. However, they've worked hard to learn the markets and discover what works and what doesn't. But how can you hear about these journeys and get in on the strategies and tactics they use? You can do it by listening to Chat with Traders. Here's your host, Aaron Fifield. Hey traders, what's up? What's going on? Hope you've been having an awesome week. I've got an interesting guest lined up on the show for us today and he takes a slightly longer term approach compared to many of the guests I've had on in the past but I think it's great to mix things up. Uh, He's a young guy, he's doing big things and he's got a great story to tell. So let me give you the thousand foot view of where he's come from and where he's going. So Michael Malasinos started a job on Wall Street about six months before the 08 crash came through. So he was right there in the thick of it. He was actually an analyst on the trading desk at Bear Stearns and then later at JP Morgan after they were brought out. I'm sure you're all familiar with that story. Uh, Since then, Michael's left his Wall Street days behind him and now trades a fund of his own using a systematic trend-following approach that operates on 40 global futures markets. While I missed a large chunk of the story there, you'll hear how Michael got to the stage of his career during the interview, as well as a few of the lessons that shaped him into the trader he is today, including the advice he received from market wizard Ed Sakoda. I also like Michael's thoughts around why you should consider playing a game that's larger than money, and the emphasis he places on preparation is really great also. All right, guys, you know the drill. I'm your host, Aaron Firefield. This is Chat with Traders, and here is this week's guest, Michael Melisinos. Hey, Michael, what's up, man? Welcome to the podcast. Hey, thank you for having me. No trouble at all. Thanks a lot for putting aside some time this morning to, um, you know, come on and be open for an interview. It's really good to have you on. Yeah, well, it's 6.07 a.m. here in, uh, in New Jersey, so... Uh, not a lot of people are up right now. I'm probably the only person up on my block. Um, but yeah. Nice. Is that how you roll every morning? Up nice and early? Uh, yeah, because, you know, I, I was actually dealing with this problem yesterday. Um, you know, because uh, I was telling you before off the podcast that we're, we just, we recently bought a beach house, my fiance and I, and 
you know, we're doing a lot of work around the house and we still have a lot of chores. And my fiance is type A go-getter. She wants it done. She doesn't want things lingering. She loves to-do lists, doing them ASAP. And she's got me doing chores all the time. And I'm like, I need to do work. You know, like, you know, because the, the day the day rolls on and there's just more and more stuff to do. She gives her more time to think about more stuff to do. I'm like, oh, my God. You know, putting her bike <laughs> together, doing the fence, doing this, doing that. Never enough hours in the day. Never enough. So getting up early and, you know, before she gets up uh, is good. Um, so this is, you know, we have our, we have our, our, sanct- our sanctuary right now, our, our time to talk about whatever we want. Good stuff. Well, I'm glad you could fit this in. So we've definitely got plenty to plenty to talk about. So let's just get into it and let, let's get this started by telling us about um, how you originally got involved in trading and perhaps even further back than that, what were you doing before this time? Uh, yeah, so I, uh, I graduated from college in 06, started work in early 07 and I started in public accounting. So, and that's what I majored in college. So, I wasn't I wasn't entering the workforce with any kind of trading job or any kind of trading uh I don't know, uh experience or background of any kind. Didn't even intern with any banks or funds or anything like that. But I a couple of my uncles or you know went through Wall Street long time still in it as well and just coming from a sports background my entire life I you know had always interest in just competing at something getting good at something and after a while in the accounting job that wasn't really fulfilling that uh, that urge in me so you know I started reading just you know in in in, uh, in public accounting you know you have your busy season I'm sure everyone knows an accountant they have a busy season it starts to die down probably in June, um, you know, at least for me it did. So from June through the summer and then into the early fall is when I really started to read a lot, um, especially on the commute back and forth uh, from Jersey to New York. I was working in New York. So I had about like an hour commute every day on the train, so I would do a lot of reading then. And at work during the off months, I was reading a lot during the day. Um and it just became, you know, I stumbled across, you know, a lot of different blogs, a lot of different opinions, different this, different that. And, and the one that, you know, stuck with me the most was, was this trend following style. And, and it kind of just made sense to me. And uh, I was actually on Michael Covell's uh, podcast, uh, you know, maybe like a month or so ago, and I told him, you know, when I read his first book, the trend following book, uh, I think it was his first book that came out in 05 and I read it in 07. Um, I said, I slammed it shut at a few points in that book. I was like, this is, dude, there's just no way he, cause he makes it sound so easy. You know, he makes it sound like so simple. So this, and you know what? It pretty, it, it is simple. Um, you know, at least the concepts are, and I think the concepts you know, parallel and may and and um, have a lot in common with what happens in the natural world. Anyway, you know this. Um, you know the ideas of 
of diversification. You know, spread yourself out. Don't limit yourself to one type of to to profit from one one market. You know, uh, and then you know, buy and hold. Comparing it to buy and holds case, don't limit yourself to profiting to just making money one way. Be open to going short as well. Be open to staying out sometimes. Um, and then, then the other ideas of, you know, when you have a good thing going, let it, let it keep, let it, let it roll. You know, you're sticking with it. Uh, if it doesn't work, you know, protect yourself and get the hell out of there. Um, so all those things were, you know, made sense to me just in general. And, and then I thought, I was like, oh, okay, you know, now I have something that maybe I can actually try to get good at, try to get better at, because now I know you know, a strategy to, uh, to play with, you know, and, you know, before that, what was I going to become like a day trader? You know, that's like the only other strategy I knew of or that, or, um, like a fundamental thing. And that didn't ap- appeal to me either because I just seemed like a whole, <laughs> you know, a whole lot of work with not a whole lot of certainty. And, um, and I saw a lot of people do- going that way for a long time and and losing a lot of money, especially in the uh, in the bear markets like of of 2001. And I was in high school at the time. And then uh, I guess before that, when the um, you know like a year or so before that, when, when like the bubble, uh, the Nasdaq bubble was bursting. And then um, you know, so I, that didn't really spark anything in me. Um, but this tr- this trend trading thing started to make some sense to me and start to get the juices flowing, so to speak. So I started running with that and eventually had some, you know, light bulbs go off. And then I started getting so bored being at the accounting job that I asked my friend who I grew up with, who was working at Bear Stearns at the time. I said, look, dude, get me in there. Come on. I got to get off. I got to get off the bench, so to speak. I got to get in the game. And you know, I, I didn't think I was going to become a trend follower at Bear Stearns, but, you know, this trend following idea is like, oh, maybe I can start a fund. That was like in the back of my head. And then when the opportunity for um, to work at Bear came along, I kind of put the trend following thing on hold. I was like, oh, okay, I'm going to become like a, you know, a Wall Street guy and then um, work on the trading desk one day and uh, hopefully soon and then all will be good and I won't have to worry about this other thing. It'll just be a capat. just something that passed the time. This trend following, you know, thing. Um, so, yeah, I think, you know, I think when I went to Bear in, in October '07, um, I, you know, I was working a lot. So, <laughs> I got up at uh, you know 5:30 today. You know, back at that job, I was getting up at 4:30. I was in work at five. So, I and I was home at like eight every day. Um, so I didn't have time to read or do anything relative to any, you know, str- you know, trend following strategy, uh, uh, construction or <laughs> that to, uh, to, um, you know, one day become a, uh, a fund manager or anything. I was just doing my job cause it took, it took a lot of hours to do. So, um, yeah. And then, you know, I guess, I guess throughout the, you know, six months later after I started working at Bear, it collapsed. Um, so that was a big eye-opening experience for me. And then, you know, the team I was on went over uh, and started working for J.P. Morgan, just doing the same job at J.P. Morgan. And you know, the hours were still insane, but the middle of the day wasn't as intense as it was. So I started reading again. Um, 
And then it started to get more serious. But those two events, the bear collapse and the financial crisis, and they really opened my eyes. And, you know, those people talk about aha moments. Those are two big aha moments that really put me on the path that where I said, okay, I can't work anymore. I need to go and do my own thing because I thought this way, you know, I was going to be, you know, I thought I had it made pretty much going to bear. It was a good company and everything and, um, good culture. And I thought, oh, okay, I'm just going to, you know, just put my time here and I'm going to be a big shot, you know, trader on the desk one day and all's going to be good until it goes down. I mean, the company goes down. Didn't even, I didn't get laid off or anything. The company disappeared. And that was just like, oh my God. And then half of Wall Street disappeared, uh, you know, several months later. So those were just, you know, blessing in disguises for me. Um, because now I had the opportunity to actually do what I wanted to do, you know, in the back. Of, it, and at that point, it was just in the back of my head. But it was really a drive at that point because I saw it's not, you know, my job and the Wall Street, um, uh, you know, vision of being a big shot or, you know, it being like a good job just wasn't so anymore. The whole game was changed. You know, it, it now it wasn't a safe thing. And now I saw that. So I saw a lot of my colleagues lose a ton of money, lose their jobs. Um, and all the retire, you know, a lot of their retirement money, if it was in bear stock, or anything like this. And I said, look, this is not going to be me. And at the time I was 23, 24 years old. So I was still very young and stupid and impressionable, I guess. And that kind of woke me up and made me grow up pretty fast. So during the off months and, you know, the transition period, uh, from bear to JP and then, um, and then even working at JP, it was just less intense, you know, than my first six months at Bear. You know, after everything got, everything ever after everything collapsed, and then you know the financial crisis hit, uh, things just got less intense. People were kind of just shaken up, and um, I don't know. I won't say didn't work as hard. Uh, that's that's not true, but just just kind of like dazed, like they just got punched and knocked out and then they're like stumbling to get to their feet so people were just i don't know i don't know the, the workload just died so i was just spending a lot of time doing more reading and like okay getting into phase two of taking the path to become a fund manager one day and that's what i was that's what i was doing through you know bears collapse through you know, January 09. And then, um, then eventually got laid off from JP Morgan. You know, the team I was on got laid off and, um, then I, you know, went to phase three, you know, cause I had no job at that point and I was devoting all my time to, uh, to, um, you know, getting into the Excel, getting into like the, the X's and O's of creating a system, not just reading about the theory of it. So. Yeah, no, that's, that's really good. Thanks for really um, fleshing that out for us, but being so young, just having entered Wall Street, you were probably only you know there for six months to a year before things started to unfold and the crash came through. Did it ever cross your mind that maybe you'd entered the wrong industry and and this wasn't gonna um, 
be yeah uh, yeah uh, uh, eventually um uh, but not at first um at first i was just so preoccupied what was with what was going on i didn't really think at all and it was only till after i got out of it that i started thinking that and was starting to read you know a lot of entrepreneurial blogs and books and other things that you know watching a lot of videos of these up and coming like startup entrepreneurs because at that point it was starting to you know there was no real startup scene then like like there is now like now it's it's like booming right uh silicon valley's booming um and uh yeah i guess maybe other um other less uh less intense Silicon Valley's out there, um, maybe in Europe and you know, other parts of the U S but you know, it, it wasn't that big back then, but it was starting to, you know, come out of the, you know, come out of that bear market, um, into what it is now, which is a booming bull. But, you know, I, I, I was just reading and, and getting, getting, um, some exposure to other entrepreneurs outside of wall street. And then, and then reading more about the trend following trader types, you know, reading and and going on their sites, you know, the funds that were that were around and that are still around. But but then also, you know, getting to Ed Skoda's site, you know, checking out his stuff. I entered one of one of their um, one of Ed's uh, uh, trading tribes in New York, and you know, just taking the next steps to get, you know. To get in the game, to get good enough to be able to play, you know. At that point, I was still just learning, but um, uh, I was taking the next step from learning from the people that were doing it, and and hearing what they had to say. Because I mean, as a you know, as an athlete, you want to learn from the guys that can actually play. You know, you're not going to take hitting. You know, in baseball, you're not going to take hitting lessons from. You know, a guy who never played the game before, right? If you take it from a from a guy who who's done it and done it with success for a long time, so uh, that's what I started doing. I started to get started to get some you know some face time with the uh, with the actual traders and then other entrepreneurs in other in other industries, and yeah, then then I started to believe that okay, I'm starting to see the big shift here. Wall Street's not going to be the place to be for a long time, and maybe it was this is a blessing. And I, I probably had that thought, you know, at some point during the winter of '09 when I was, you know, trying to look for jobs or something, and just just in my apartment reading, and you know, uh, in New York, it's pretty gloomy during those months. So was, that was kind of a uh, maybe a bright spot in one of the dark, uh, dreary winters in of New York. Are you a developing or seasoned day trader who trades the U.S. markets? Is the only thing stopping you from getting to the next level is having enough capital to trade? Trade the Pool is a unique online stock trading prop firm that funds stock traders worldwide. Not having to risk your own capital can help you focus on other things like making better decisions on your trades. There's no PDT rules to worry about. You got more than 12,000 stocks and ETFs to trade, long or short, and professional tools at your side. How you get funded is you show them your skills through a straightforward evaluation process. Once you pass the evaluation, you get funded and trade with their pool of money. 
and split the profits. Don't let the lack of buying power, capital, or fear of losing your own money prevent you from taking your trading to the next level. Visit tradethepool.com slash chat to learn more. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. You briefly mentioned um, Ed and you're referring to Ed Sakoda. Um, and I don't want to brush over that because he's a, he's a really big name. Um, you know, he plays the big game. So... I'm curious to know, like, how did you actually get in contact um, with Ed? Um, what, what was his tribe, his trading tribe actually like? And what were some of the things that he actually really helped you with? So he, you know, before, um, you know, Ed to me is a rare combination of very advanced uh, technically and very advanced psychologically. Um he seems to understand both games pretty well, you know, from being, you know, him being an engineer, he's, and, and engineers in general, they're very advanced, you know, mathematically, science, they, they, they get that, uh, that's their strong point. And they're not so strong with, you know, social skills and, and understanding, you know, uh, behavioral dynamics, because, you know, let's, I mean, let's face it, a lot of, a lot of engineers, like, even like accountants, uh, too, uh, and maybe some other jobs, they're just, they're good with being, they're good with just doing their job and they're not so good talking about it. You know, they're like socially awkward, you know, or some of them can be. So he's not that though. He, he, to me, um, because he shares a lot of his information, a lot of his, a lot of his knowledge about things, um, you know, I, that you know, I attracted to that quick because I mean, and he on some level reminds me of my father because he's a very Ed's a very tough man to talk to because he calls you out on your nonsense really fast, and you know he um, you know reading on his site and then and then um, and then getting to one of his tribes um, you know reading on the site about the theory about the feelings that that we're unwilling to feel. You know, so the feelings that we don't like kind of run our lives. And I was like, what the heck does that mean? I don't even know what that means. And, you know, at that time I first came into him, like, yeah, probably around 24, 25. So I was still pretty stupid at the time. And um, I didn't know what that meant. And then, you know, started getting into more of his, uh, his FAQ on his site, which is where people submit, you know, their stories and write whatever they write into him. And he responds, and you know half the time he's being a wise ass in his responses, and the other times he's being pretty helpful in explaining what the tribe is all about, what's the whole process, you know what what's the whole intention of of it, you know how is it aimed to help people out, and you know at, at its core it's really just to help people push through their push through their issues to get to a you know, a right livelihood, which is basically, you know, you do what you like to do and you do it, you know, you serve other people. And, 
yeah, you, you maintain your health and, you know, you, you get good at what, what your craft is. And when I started in one of his tribes, you know, initially it was, it was a little weird. <laughs> it was, uh, you know, a lot of guys, you know, uh, in, in our tribe, it was uh, a lot of guys in the, in the financial space, which is not always the case in other tribes. You know, some people don't, aren't in finance at all. And there's a lot of guys talking about and then, you know, first talking about their feelings and, and then, you know, he has this process called the hot seat where you get into, you know, some real intense feeling that you have that's, that's, that you want to change. You, know, you want to change the, um, your, you want to change from a medicinal response to a proactive response. So in the case of trading, you know, you get people that don't like to lose money, right? And what are they? And so they, they medicated by, you know, in uh, some cases not having, you know, not looking at it, you know, they don't open their statements or they don't take the, they don't sell it out. You know, if they're long a, a stock or something and, and it starts to go against them, they don't sell it. So they don't have to feel the actual loss. They could just hope hold on and hope that it returns to a more profitable you know, position one day. So these are all non-proactive responses with dealing with the loss that is true. It's, you know, it's happening, whether or not you like it or not, it's happening. So you can either deal with it uh, responsibly, proactively, or you can medicate it by not feeling it. Uh, and this is what a lot of people do, you know, in their lives outside of trading as well. Um, you know, same thing when they, if they break up with a, a boyfriend or a girlfriend, what do they, what do they do? They don't, they don't go to the drawing board assessing their behaviors and, Oh, what did I do that really, you know, made this, um, relationship, you know, tumble and, and end. They'll say, Oh, they'll blame. They blame other people. They, they, they'll go watch a movie. They'll console a friend an enabler, who tells them it's going to be all right. It's going to, you know, it wasn't your fault or, or they'll go, you know, on a, on a worst case, they'll go, you know, do drugs or drink alcohol or, you know, indulge in some unhealthy food or something to make the feeling go away, you know, and to, you know, justify people, justify themselves and, you know, what happened, it wasn't their fault and all things like that. So, you know, that's what the tribe is all about because it's getting, it, it helps you in a group setting you know, Ed believes that the you know, a group setting is better than trying to do it yourself, or, or you know, it, it may offer a better way to just than going to a um, uh, a psychologist or psychiatrist or something, because you don't get to learn from the doctor doing it in tribe. You get to see everyone work and everyone working on their own issues. So that that he believes, um, you know, is a better atmosphere to learn from because you get to see other people doing it too people get to learn and set examples for others and uh that you know that that helped me you know eventually you know push through the fear of you know starting my own fund you know i was just i was scared i didn't think i could do it i mean i knew i could do it but i was afraid you know what my parents could think you know like i'm gonna i'm gonna child so I get a lot of questions and I get I get all the attention so 
I I was just nervous about dealing with that. My parents, they're you know they're they're um, you know slow and steady people that have been at the same type of job forever, and this is not something that they're used to. You know they they don't know they don't know what starting your own business is like and the risks about that. They just think it, it's risky because it's you know you need to have a job. That's that's the way to go. So all these feelings that I had come up. You know, the tribe helped me out and learning the things from Ed um, more, more on, the, on the psychological portion of the game really helped me, um, you know, pull the trigger, eventually pull the trigger and, and deal with feelings um, uh, that were previously standing in my way, deal with them proactively and, and take, a, take a, you know, a more go-getter approach to it rather than just sitting back and maybe they'll go away or, you know, or you know, distracting myself somehow. But, you know, and then uh, like a side note to that, you know, outside of trading, all these things help me in my life as well. And um, can't say enough about that because my life in general changed um, after, after um, you know, first being introduced to, to Ed's uh, FAQ site and, and, and then the, getting into the tribe as well. Um you know, a lot of people like to, you know, Ed, Ed seems to have like a cult following as far as like, oh, you know, he was the guy who, you know, made, read Market Wizards, you know, a couple hundred thousand a percent over 10 to 15 years, whatever it was. He gets a lot of attention that way. But, you know, for those traders out there that, that you know, think that's really cool or whatever because he makes a lot of money um, or he did or something. You know, that's all great, but I'm telling you, I think there's more to learn from him on the on the psychological game side because, you know, I don't know, making money is cool, but making money and having good relationships and having a, st- a stress-free life and living a life that is fulfilling is much cooler. Um, a lot of guys out there have a lot of money who are just miserable dudes and they have awful lives. So... To those young guys, look, it's not all about the money, <laughs> you know, and maybe a weird thing, you know, you know, a trader saying that because the job is all about money, but, um, or that's the only thing we make, you know, we don't create anything else, but you can create, um, a life you'd like and, you know, work with people that you'd like, um, and serve them well, um, by, uh, you know, getting your own issues straightened out, um, you know, rather than just looking for the best system out there and emailing Ed and guys like him, like, oh, what's your system? Or teach me, teach me the system so I can go become a, a big shot. You know, that's, you know, maybe when you're young, you think that's the way until you get into it and you start trading a system or trading a style. And then you learn that, oh, yeah, I don't just need a system. I need the whole psychological game too i need the discipline i need all this the clear thinking i need all that to make any money you know for sure and i mean on that point like that's a that's a really good point you make about how it's not all all about the money but i mean most of the guys who kind of um say that have money do you think it's always easier for those who do have you know a big bank to be able to to say things like that um like, do you think it's a bit challenging when you're when you're younger and you're coming up? You don't necessarily have 
all that money so you've got like a, a safety zone or you know what I'm saying like it, it's a lot harder to think that way when you don't necessarily have any money it, it money does seem very important would you agree with that and yeah and I would, I would say you know because I was in that position too and looking back then it's yeah you're you likely want to make money um, when you don't have any to and it's likely at that point a medication for the feeling you don't like of being poor. And so you think, oh, I'll just make a lot of money and that feeling will go away. And then you, and then you find, you know, a lot of people become, you know, I'm not, those, maybe that, that drive to make a lot because you don't have a lot um, really helps you, you know, make a lot one day and become a successful businessman or trader or whatever. You know, great, but it's a very myopic, I think, um, view, short-term view of, of, um, and I say a, a non, it's not a well-rounded, uh, strategy to a make money and then get all the other things you want in life too. You know, people, people tend to fall into that, you know, in this case, like you're medicating that fear of, or medicating that feeling of being poor. I just want to make money. I'll do whatever I have to do to make money. That's what you hear about a lot of poor people growing up. They make a lot of money one day, you know, because they're driven. They don't want to be poor ever again. And that doesn't mean that they're happy people necessarily. It may mean that they're good at their job. They're good at their their uh, um, their craft or whatever. But you, you don't hear about the other things um, outside of their job and work success because that's all – you know, business people care about, you know, you don't hear about their personal lives. They're not going to talk like we don't hear about, you know, Warren Buffett's personal life really, you know, or like other successes, personal life. And, you know, so we don't get to see that side and, and maybe it's a train wreck. Maybe it's not, you know, maybe it's not what, what you would want for yourself. So, you know, looking at just one piece of a person's life, um, I don't think is enough information um, for people to, um, you know, to learn from and then incorporate into their own, you know, structure, uh, into their own, you know, vision of what they want their lives to be. If you want to just learn one skill and, you know, trade all other things for that one skill, then fine, you know. But if you want to have good relationships, you want to be, fit, you want to be healthy, you want to live a long time, and you want to have some money, and you want to have a good family, and, you know, friends, and all this stuff, and have a life of, you know, abundance, and, you know, a vision, a well-rounded vision for what you want, then you may need to learn how to make money there, but maybe becoming, um, you know, a, a hotshot trader, or hotshot this or that, um, works, works against uh, a well-rounded view for yourself. It may not work for, like that for another person, but maybe for you, you know, you need to, you know, uh, take other information to account and, and not just go for it all and try to be the, just the big shot trader because you may, you may be that one day, but you also might be, you know, a jerk. You also might have, a couple divorces, you know, you also might, you know, have a couple of, uh, health, uh, issues, you know, and, and I think Ed would be the first one to, 
um, admit that, you know, don't forget he's had two divorces, you know, and probably a lot of drama during his great trading run that he may not be too proud about, you know, it's, you know what I'm saying? So yeah, the money's cool. Performance is cool. Great. But there's other things that, that matter. And, um, you know, I think Ed can, you know, going to his site and, you know, maybe joining one of his tribes you know, learning about that process can really help people um, see or come to that. I'm not saying my this view is is correct, but it may just open themselves up to. Oh, maybe there's you know, there's other ways to think about it. That's all. I'm not really. I'm not trying to push away or a system on anybody or a way of thinking on anybody. But that's what that's what happened to me because I thought it was all about the money. I thought I was going to have it have it made, and then bear went down. And then I, you know, um, and then half of Wall Street went down. So, you know, there's other things that become important. Um, you know, and I, I, I learned that for myself during those, uh, during those crashes. Um, yeah, I, I like how you answered it, that. That's you touched yeah. on a lot of great points there. Yeah, and it, um, I also tell a story about a guy who um, I work with at Bear, and I remember standing next to him uh, a day or two after. Bear, you know, was bought by JP, and this is a guy who's been there for 20, 30 years, and, you know, nice guy, you know, he's a regular guy, he just works on Wall Street, you know, he, just, he didn't know anything, he didn't have any inside info, he didn't, you know, he just just made a little bit more money than the average guy, but he was still really nice, and um, we were standing on the trading floor, and he was looking at all the screens, this is when, like, people were just half the people there who used to be there weren't there and it was a total mess. It was like the last day of school, you know, there's like nothing going on. Everyone's just kind of talking and, and not doing anything. And he, um, uh, was looking at his screens, all the flashing lights. Cause at that time the markets were still wild, you know, going, you know, high vol and everything, but at Baird there was no business being done. So we were all just kind of watching it. And, this is after the guy knows that he probably lost a ton of his retirement money. And he's like, Mike, you see all this? And he's pointing to his screens, all the flashing lights, all the Bloombergs and all that. And I said, yeah. He said, all this means nothing. Um, I'm going to a wake tonight for one of my daughter's or son's classmates um, who killed themselves because they were getting bullied at school. You know. His kids are like 10 years old, you know, eight, eight to 10 or something, something very young. And that was another like hammer over the head moment. Like, yeah, you're right. This is not, I don't want, I don't want just the money here, you know, cause focusing on that and you miss out on, on some of the more important issues of, um, you know, in this case, kids, you know, like, you know, like, how important is it if your kid just died? Really? Is it important? I mean, you know, do you really need to have, you know, that big trade? <laughs> you need to make that big trade? Like, no, because you have, you have other things to worry about. And and I feel that really, that helped me, um, one, even further push to get the hell out of the, out of the workforce in this, you know, Wall Street, but, but also helped me to really think about more, um, when I did pull the trigger, what kind of business do I want? What kind of life do I want? Um, outside of just 
trading my trend following system, you know, that trend following system is just one little piece, you know, it just helps deliver some profits to my investors. That's it, you know, but, you know, incorporating some of the other you know, more qualitative, you know, aspects of life, you know, into my picture, my life's like vision picture, um, you know, that, that moment with that guy, um, really helped me at least be open to thinking about stuff like that. I didn't, you know, starting the money hungry, um, grip started to loosen a bit, um, after that conversation. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's, that's really deep. Thank you for sharing that with us. Yeah. It was pretty gloomy, but I mean, you know, like they're real things. Yeah. Well, I mean, that, that helps put things into perspective, doesn't it? And look at, look at the bigger picture. Now, let's turn this discussion more towards your actual trading methodology. Um, so, I'd like to ask you, could you describe to us, how do you actually view the markets and, and just share an overview of your particular trading style? So, you've, you've already mentioned it's trend following, but let's, let's get into the nuts and bolts of it. So, what actually is trend following? How do you view the markets? And, and just, yeah, give us a bit of an overview of your approach. Sure. Yeah. So, the... Uh, you know, basic uh, ABCs of it, you know, if I break it down into, you know, a diversified, systematic, long-term trend following. I'll break down each, like, little sections. I, I feel like going going like that is, is easy. helps uh, helps people uh, follow along easier than it is just me spewing. I'm going left, right, back, forward. You know, like people can't, you know, can't keep up. But anyway, so diversified, I mean, I take it from the... Um, I'm on the stance that I want to be able to trade any trends um, out there. I want to be able to trade and profit from any moves in the world. Um, really doesn't matter. I'm not. I'm not restricting myself to just stocks, uh, which is a traditional approach, like the stocks and bonds and the real estate. Like I want to be able to trade currency trends. I want to be able to trade commodities and uh, you know other foreign markets. You know foreign stocks, foreign. Uh, foreign interest rates as well because you know evidence shows you look back and do some research that you know things outside of stocks and bonds move quite a bit and why would i just want to sit in one spot and just wait for all the movement to come in those those areas why not i branch out a bit and maybe and maybe um you know open myself up to to being able to profit from some moves like that and you know What's happened over the past year has been a good uh, example that you know currency trends have been great uh, since last summer, and energy as well. And then most recently, you know, metals start to break down again. So if you're a traditional buy and holder, you you just don't get those moves. You know, um, maybe you can apply your style to that uh, to those other markets and and do okay, but you know. In the meantime, you know, there's some pockets of time where you you can't because you're just not you're not open to them. Um, so I like to be open to a lot of different things. Um, you know, to be to make a baseball analogy, you, I mean, if you're a hitter, you, you don't just want to be able to hit a fastball down the middle. You need to be able to hit other pitches in other locations. You know, and if you can't, you can't play. You know, because you you're not good enough. You know, so you need to be open to to hitting. Um, different trends and different markets going different ways, and um, that's that's what kind of 
I, I feel, you know, I, I like doing that. Um, because I don't, I don't want to be a stock picker. I don't want to be a picker in one area and, you know, try to trade every little wiggle in one or two markets. I want to be in a lot of different things and not really have an expertise in any. I just kind of want to just, um, you know, float along when the movement comes in different areas and just, and just set my sails with them. Um, uh, so I get, okay. So moving from the diversified to the, to the, uh, I'll, I'll go to uh, the long term first. So if, yeah, I mean, I don't want to be trading. I'm not a day trader. I don't really like to look at markets all that much. Um, during the day, again, it's like quality of life. I don't want to be sitting in front of a computer, uh, all day long. Uh, I like to do other things. I like to get outside. I like to, uh, you know, um, read and, you know, do things with my fiance, my friends and family that don't require me to be sitting in front of a computer looking at my trading software or the quotes all day long. Like I wanted a system that I didn't need to do that. And so I focus on long term. I focus on, um, you know, trading trends that, uh, you know, my, my system on average, you know, it's average holding period is about, you know, seven, eight months long. So that's, that's my average position that I'm holding. So I don't really need to look at it every five minutes. I don't need to look at it every 30 seconds. So I can, I can, uh, update it daily, um, check it periodically, you know, throughout the day if I'm around, but not an everyday thing. And, you know, I want to be there for the biggest moves too. You know, the biggest moves, um, exist on longer time frames, and uh, that's what I like to be. I like to hit home runs, and um, I don't like to be a singles hitter where I'm trying to get wiggles every day, like like day traders do. They try to get a lot of little moves, um, you know, during the day or during the week. Um, I I forgive that. I say you can have those moves. I'm not trying to catch those. I'm just gonna try to be there for for the big sucker. That uh, that plays out over X months or years or weeks or something. Um, that's just my style. And again, there's no right or wrong. You know, I mean, I feel that my style works better for me, um, uh, but it's not always the case with everybody. Um, and then I guess uh, all right. So we have the diversified. We have the long term. We have the uh, uh, the systematic. So systematic, I just create a method you know, a rules, you know, a set of rules that decide, you know, which markets to select, you know, which markets I'm going to look at, and then which markets I'm going to trade, um, and then which market, uh, and then position sizing rules, so how big and how small am I going to be in each market that I, that I observe, and then when I'm going to get it and out, um, you know, what kind of methodology, I kind of already said that I'm a long-term method guy, so um, you know, in that case, my, my entries and exits are, are fairly loose. You know, it, it takes a lot, it takes more of a move for me to get in and out than it would for like a short term guy. You know, he's more, he's more, uh, tight. His, 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 um, his entries and exits are tighter with the movement than I am. Um, you know, to make it, I guess, an example, like, let's say I use, I say I'm a, like a breakout trader, you know, I, I use a, a 200 day look back, you know, so if the market makes a 200 day high, 
you know, I'll get in um, versus a, a shorter-term guy, which is it wouldn't work. I, I wouldn't be able to follow a shorter-term system that well but just because my psychology, psychology doesn't really fit with it. But like a shorter-term guy may go enter market on a 20-day high, you know. So he's he's getting in that much, much quicker. I, I, I like to be a little bit longer. Well, let me ask you about the systematic side of things because you started out as an accountant, then you became a, an analyst on the trading desk. At what point did you, did you learn to start coding or did you code or did you bring in outside help? Like how did you actually develop your system once you had an idea and some rules that you, you thought might be valid and have an edge that's worthwhile trading? How did you actually turn this into a, a functioning system that, that is essentially automated these days? Um, I, old-fashioned way, started with uh, some pen and paper, and then I got into Excel. Um, and I still do a lot of the majority of my systems in Excel because uh, I like to see, uh, like Excel allows you to go under the hood and kind of see what's going on versus a, a software which kind of just pumps out results you don't really see what's happening. So I I called a couple guys to help me um, who, I, who I used to work with who were more advanced with coding. And they kind of show me the ropes with, um, um, you know, some like Python software and, uh, and C Sharp and things like that. And, you know, that's all good as far as like testing goes because you could, you can, you know, be efficient with maybe, uh, running a lot of tests fast. Um, you know, with Excel, it's kind of slower because you got to, you know, it's just a little more, a little more um, um, detailed and not as, I don't know, I don't not not as advanced as some of the other softwares. But anyway, um, uh, I called uh, I called a couple traders who I looked up to, who uh, you know, uh, Covell uh, wrote about in his books and. Um, and then, you know, they kind of told me like, look, 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 we can code, but it's not really like a necessary skill to have. You need to have some sort of like basic, you know, you can do everything in basic Excel. That's kind of why I started in Excel. So you can start there and you can always stay there if you want, you know, you don't have to go to the software route. So that's what I did. I got into Excel, just kind of started making it up as I went along to learn it and, um, didn't really have a guy there, you know, sitting next to me while I, while I built it up, um, and I, you know, I, I designed like a risk sheet, so I had like a portfolio sheet, which is where I had all my positions. It had had my position size, has where I got in, where my stop is, what the current price is, and how much money I have at risk. What's my P and L and uh, all those things that tied back into other sheets that I had for each market, which. Each market was just had the data that I had my um, position sizing sheet, like how big of a position am I going to take if I get a signal, um, you know, all that. And I, so I updated that stuff every day. You know, I had a new, you know, every day I go into the, you know, go into the market sheet that I, that I had, you know, um, and right now I have 40 markets. So I have like 40 different sheets for each market and um, they, um, you know, so I update the data every day, and then I see what what my rules tell me to do. You know, how do they change to 
should I take a bigger position today if I get a signal? Uh, what's the new stop uh, orders? What's the new buy stop? What's the new sell stop? When am I getting in? When am I getting out? Um, type of thing. So um, those, yeah, I mean, I started, I started probably doing that um, sometime in 2010, 2009, 2010. And then um, just kind of made, you know, changes and advances along the way as I've gotten better at, at uh, building these things and, and um, I guess more comfortable with, with just how to do it. Um, but yeah, I mean, there was really no, no fancy way. I mean, and you could probably, you know, hire someone to do something today or help you, but uh, I, I didn't. Okay, so I've just got a question around that. You obviously mentioned Excel there quite a bit. What what sort of data were you actually putting into Excel? Was it um, like calculating anything or had you programmed it to, to output certain data or, or was it just you were just using it as a spreadsheeting tool to take, um, to keep track of your, your positions and your trades and that type of thing? Or, or was there something? Yeah. That- well, yeah. Now, now everything is, um, you know, coded and linked together. So I have like, I have a data software that I, that inputs into the, into the, uh, the market sheets every day. And then from that, from those sheets, they spit out, um, the new days, uh, buy and sell signals, if they are changed, like a lot of times, since I'm so long-term, they're not different at all. Uh, the new position size. Um, so yeah, I don't, I don't just have a, uh, like a summary sheet of like what my positions are. Uh, so I could see it all one spot that kind of auto populates from, from, uh, from other sheets and things. So it's all, it's a whole big linked web of, uh, of things. But, um, I, th- I think, uh, yeah, you could do, you could start with, you could start with a simple sheet of, you know, if you do things by hand, if you're, if you're a non systematic trader, you just kind of want to make call like, you know, make trades, you know, based on your gut or something. Um, or do it another way, you can have a sheet that, that kind of organizes things for you. Like, so you can see what it is you actually have on the books, you know, what you have that we don't have to remember everything, you know? Um, and that's kind of what helped me in the beginning, because if you want to be a diversified trader and trade a lot of different things, you need to organize this stuff because there's no possible way you can memorize and, and remember everything, uh, about where every, stop is and what every position size is and what's, you know, what's the proper, you know, risk management and position size to take in every market. You can't possibly remember all these things. So, uh, maybe you can, maybe, maybe you're smarter than me, but anyway, I like to keep it organized and I like to keep it, um, uh, in front of me so I don't have to remember it all. Um, because I mean, I have other things to think about too, other than just trading, you know, of course, very important to be to be organized for sure. It's a big one. Yep, that's what I feel. Um, this has helped me to do organize, and and I feel that's what uh, a lot of good a lot of good traders in general do. You know, um, especially the systematic guys because they're computer nerds. You know, they don't want to they don't want to have uh, things in their books that they don't that they're not accounting for or they. 
that they run the risk of not remembering or, you know, um, maybe some of the traders of old that, you know, do it, do it like that where they're kind of just more on the off the cuff, you know, you know, they kind of see their, their statement and then they make other decisions, you know, they kind of just on the fly of, of changing things and not really setting to a disciplined, uh, a disciplined set of rules that that you know hold them accountable to to do what the rules say and and to organize them and to and to face them every day. You know, some people don't want to face their statement or their their summary of, of what they hold the positions are because they don't again going back to the Ed Sakota stuff, you know, people don't want to feel, you know, the feeling of being bound by the rules that they set for themselves, you know, they kind of want to do what they want to do, you know, sometimes, and they don't want to obey the rules like dieting, same thing, you know, people just go off the rails. So, so those things are, you know, they want to appeal to everybody, but, uh, yeah. I feel that they really help me to, uh, again, be organized and know what I'm doing. You know, if I don't have this, this setup or something set up that tells me, what to do, when to do it, and how much to how much position to take. I feel that um, I don't know what I'm doing, and I'm gonna freak out because I I don't like not knowing what I'm doing. I need to like write things down, and I need to be organized and everything. So that's why I go with this approach than uh, maybe some others. Yeah, I think that's that's a fair point too. Uh, I mean, yeah. really, it comes down to to what's the right approach for you, you know, what, what fits your personality. So that, that sure. totally makes sense. Now, when people, well, I think when, when many people hear the word fund or someone runs a, runs a hedge fund, mm-hmm. they, they probably just assume big infrastructure, an overwhelming amount of technology, plenty of computers. But I mean, you started this working out of your parents' home, I understand. Yeah. So, I mean, what's the case now? What does your setup look like? Uh, I mean, if what would someone see if they walked into your office today? <laughs> well, I work. Um, uh, I work out of a. I don't know. If, I don't know if your viewers know what WeWork is. It's a startup um, that provides a space to entrepreneurs, you know, solopreneurs, you know, small businesses, and they're in a lot of country, a lot of um, uh, cities around. The U.S. I'm not sure if they have anything outside the U.S. right now, but yeah. it's like a co-working the, space, isn't it? Co-working space. Yep. Yeah. Uh, for a cheaper amount, so I have one of those spaces, and uh, it's just my computer. Um, you know, I have all the security and everything, so no one can steal my stuff. Um, but that's pretty much it as far as the as far as what you'll see. I mean, what you won't see. Um, but it's theirs that I mean, I have a third party auditor and, and tax Yeah, that, you know, we have for a fund, you have to have an audit done every year. Um, and I also have my, you know, my legal and compliance guys, you know, on retainer when I need them. Uh, if I have issues or something that I need to need to do, like right now I have a, a, a prospective investor from India. I don't, I didn't know if I can take an investor's money from India. Yeah. I don't know what, what rules and tax laws there are. I don't know about these things. So I, you know, I consult those guys to help me. And then I have my, um, 
my administrator that does all my uh, monthly performance reporting and they keep the uh, they keep the, the the financial statements and all those things of the of the business and and the funds so uh, you know then, then they send out their uh, their capital statements every month for every investor so they know you know what their accounts worth and how you know how it performed that month and everything so um, but those are things that don't require like big buildings you know that I need to, you know, office spaces that I need to you know, pay for and all this stuff. I kind of just outsource that stuff, um, which a lot of funds do too. It's, it's what what we do. But um, I don't have a uh, uh, a team of traders on staff. I don't have uh, portfolio managers on staff. I, I do those things. And again, the the systematizing of this stuff kind of helps with that. At least at least for me now. If I get a little bigger, and I want. Um, you know, I want some more freedom for myself. I want, I want more, um, you know, I want a guy on the desk 24 hours a day, you know, th- those types of things. Cause I, you know, obviously if it's just me, I go to sleep at some point. So, you know, someone's not always there watching it, but I always have my stop orders in the market all the time, but maybe having someone there would be more of a thing at some point, but I don't know. Um, you know, I think, uh, I don't know what else, what else I have. That's, that's really, I don't know, necessary. I mean, you you can, you can surely complicate things and, and buy, uh, you know, 15 monitors and uh, get a whole lot of different systems and softwares and have multiple models and get crazy with that stuff. But I feel a lot of that stuff is more of a distraction. It's more of a, a posturing move to look the part rather than, what it takes to really do the part and do it well. You don't need all that extra stuff. It's kind of just distractions. It's kind of just complications. Uh, I started. I started out with one computer at my parents' house in 2011. I now have upgraded to two computers. <gasps> so that's 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 the basis of my complication. <laughs> <laughs> nothing. Nothing major then. No. That's that's really interesting to know that you can do it on. You know, um, yeah, and, and and expenses. I mean, if, if you want to get out there, you want to raise a lot of money, and you want to be a you know compete with like the biggest funds in the world. Yeah, you're going to need more infrastructure. You're, you're going to need compliance teams. You're going to need all these other things that uh, that open the that allow the biggest investors in the world to even touch you. This is not like how it was in the '70s or '60s, '70s, and '80s, where you could be some dude in your garage that just has a good track record and you draw interest today, forget it. That's not going to happen, but you could definitely, you know, raise money and, and, and do okay and make a life for yourself. Um, you know, if you didn't want to go down that route, you know, with, with local people, you know, local businesses, you want to ro- run local money or friends and family, things like that. You know, you don't have to get out there and like pitch yourself to the world. If, if you don't want that, you know, if you do, you're going to need, sure, you're going to need some, uh, some capital to, to build a big house that allows these people, these big investors to enter. Um, cause right now for a lot of people, like with my own situation, I, I call, you know, have, have, uh, conversations, you know, people reach out to me, you know, from family offices, fund of funds, things like that, that see my track record and they, they say, Oh yeah, we like it. You know, we're thinking about, 
you know, can you tell us a little bit about your system and your thing and everything? Tell them about everything. What's your AUM? Oh, it's it's X. Oh, that's too small. We can't really touch that right now. Oh, do you have uh, all these other bells and whistles, the compliance to this, to that? No, I don't have that right now. Uh, don't don't see it as a need. Um, oh, well, those are the things we require. You know, so it's like immediately if you don't have all these extra all this extra infrastructure, um, the biggest guys are not going to be able to invest with you. It's just, that's just the case. Um, especially after probably 2008, you know, everything's, everyone's all freaked out now that everyone's a fraud and everything. So, um, yeah, all the, uh, everyone's just kind of picky, but that's not the case for, you know, your, the investor, investors that you could probably find, um, on your own that, that, you know, you know, your friends and family extensions of that. They don't require that stuff. Yeah, sure. No, that, that's mm-hmm. really good. So we should probably, um, start winding this down. Uh, we've been talking mm-hmm. for close to an hour now, but let me just ask, I've got, I've got two more questions I'm keen to ask you. So, so the first one would be, um, are there any traits from your time playing sports, um, earlier on in your life? that you believe have helped you succeed as a trader? Any traits that have uh, you've essentially carried over and applied to your trading today? Yeah, I'd say a, a couple. One off the field and one on the field. Off the field was the preparation of the, you know, you prepare to develop confidence. That's how, that's how at least that's how it worked for me. I, if I didn't practice, and prepare for the game. You know, I was a pitcher, so a baseball pitcher. So I, I would need to, you know, work over, work on my pitches and protect. You know, do my arm, you know, shoulder exercise to keep my arm healthy. And just, and there's my other exercise for my other body to be loose and stretched and strong and everything, to, so I could be explosive and move freely and things like that. Um, so if I didn't do those things, you know in between starts, I didn't feel confident and I couldn't execute well on the field. Um, so that was huge for me because I, I was not a kid that was blessed, like with this Superman talent where I could just like roll out of bed and just like kind of do, do really well. I really needed to do my work and like do all, do all the little things, uh, that, that, I don't know, that, that helped me, you know, get on the same playing field as some of like these like superstar athletes or, you know, these things. So, um, that's what helped me a lot. And I became like, I got a lot of joy out of it. You know, I almost enjoyed practice more than the games a lot, a lot of the time. Um, because it was just that, it's just that like, this is what I got to do. I, 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 and plus I got to like do it while I was like alone. It was like my little sanctuary, you know, I was in my, I was in the zone and just preparing for the game and, uh, you know, visualizing, you know, kicking ass on the field when, when the game time came, you know, so I, I, I know I liked all those things. That's probably why I got into this, uh, you know, why trend following, why systematic approach appeals to me because you get to prepare, you get to, you know, you get to do all the little things and like the training is kind of just like, pretty easy you know it's it's not a lot of work you know it's the practice time and the preparation time is the work um so 
I don't, I think, um, also on the field, you know, when, when the game time came, you know, you had the confidence, everything, um, and you're playing, you know, you get into, sometimes you get into situations that, uh, you know, are, you have, you have some pressure, um, you have, you know, the game's on the line, you know, you have a big spot in the game where, you know, it's, it's a make or break, you know, in my case, like a pitch where it can mean the difference between getting out of the inning or, or losing the game or going behind, falling behind. So what was weird and what I still feel today is that I can deal with pressure very well because I know I've done the work. So I, if I know, I just keep doing the work and I know I do what I'm supposed to do, that there really is no pressure. The pressure is really just, I feel like it, when I when I feel pressure is when I feel like I'm unprepared. And I used to feel that way um, sometimes in school when I didn't study for a test as much, as much as I should have or something like that or making a presentation which like doing a project that I didn't do as well on or I didn't prepare as well on. That's when I would feel my, my heart rate would go up. I get that anxiety, like those rushes through like, I, I get in like my chest, but you know, I get those feelings. That's like, Oh my God, I don't know what I'm doing. Like I'm not as good. And then my delivery, you know, like my test taking, I'm nervous, you know, I'm not thinking clearly and smoothly and slowly and same thing on the field. Like the game's moving fast. I, you know, I'm, I'm not as, I'm not as calm. So I can't be, I can't execute my move, my pitching motion as fluid and as explosive as it needs to be in order to execute the pitch well you know if you're jittery and your hands are you know shaking and you're not as sturdy on your feet and your mind's racing because you're now aware that you didn't prepare so your mind is screwed too so um yeah i think that happens um in trading as well um that's when people jump off their systems and jump off their approach they it's it's likely due to a preparation issue maybe or or they they don't really have a style that they're committed to they have kind of a style but they don't have a really rock solid foundation uh and approach for what they're doing they're kind of just on the whim you know kind of just making it up as they go along and they're winging it like in my test taking i used to like you know uh maybe some of your viewers have the same experience too they just like didn't study or something they they come into test and they're all anxious and they're I'm just winging it. I'm just, you know, whatever. I think I know it okay, but, you know, they definitely usually don't know it on average. They don't know it as well as as, as if they, uh, you know, took the time to study for it and prepare for it. So, yeah. Um, Absolutely. Yeah, I like, I really like how you highlighted the, the need for preparation there. I think that's that's solid. And, I yeah. mean, in that answer, you pretty much uh, covered the, the second question I was going to ask here. Okay. Uh, which was going to be around what uh, a, a quote I've heard you say in the past is um, people know what to do, but they, they just don't do it. And I mean, you kind of, you kind of covered it there as, as a lack of preparation. And um, yeah. 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 And I think um, that's, I think that's something that the, that the best traders do really well. They know what their style is. They know what they, what they, what they like about their style, what they don't like about the style. You know, there's some things about trend following I just don't like, you know, but 
but I know I can't have it all. I can't have everything. Um, it's, it's unnatural to have everything. And if you want to have everything, just, just, you know, go observe the, uh, uh, the star systems out there in the universe, you know, they want to have it all for them. And what happens? They collapse into a black hole and they, and they die, you know? So I feel that you're going to have to give some things up in order to, in order to do your style well, um, you know, and trading, you know, and trend following, you know, you're giving up, you're giving up the need to catch every little wiggle and move out there. You're giving up the need to even understand what the markets are doing. You forget that with trend following. You're kind of just, I don't really know why this thing is moving that well, um, but I'm in it and I'm long, I'm in it, I'm riding the trend and I got to keep, I got to stick with this um, because that's my system. I need to, I need to ride trends. So I can't afford to not be in this one just because I don't understand it. Um, that's kind of one of the most, I don't know, maybe one of the bigger, one of the bigger issues people have with it is that, oh, how can you not know what's going on? What are you talking about? How can you do, how can you be long a thing and not understand why it's moving? And that's like, how do you answer that, you know, to investor or someone that, that is come up with a, in a career that it's built on understanding things. And a lot of trend followers just don't care about that. And doesn't mean they can't make money. Because obviously they've shown there's a history of them doing really well. But it's something that someone who doesn't like to feel that won't be, they won't be able to be a trend follower then. You know, sorry, you just won't be able to do it. Because that's, you commit that in your, in your style as to not understanding. So you just need to be, um, you know, okay with, with what your style is and what, what the quote unquote good and bad of it is, you know, what you like and what you don't like. And that helps you, I think, create a style that you can execute like a Navy seal every day. Like you get, you you could be able to do it and do it well and not, and not apologize for, yeah, I don't understand it either, but this is my style to do it. And I'm doing it rather regardless. Um, I, this is, I know what I have to do. So, you know, uh, I feel you know, getting and being in touch with uh, at least the things that you like and don't like, you, you can create a better strategy for yourself that you're going to be able to execute well. And, and then when you can do that, you, you'll probably do, you, you stand to do a lot better over the course of uh, your career with Matt trading. Yeah, no doubt. So, well, Mike, we should probably wind this down now. But, um, I mean, thank you very much for coming on. It, it's been really great to, to, you know, have you share these uh, lessons and experiences and, and what you, you've you know discovered for yourself in the markets because um, I think it's going to be interesting for listeners because you're coming at it from a different uh, angle than what are many of the guests which we've had on in the past. So it's good to have a bit of variety in the mix. So I really appreciate it, man. Sure. Yeah. Um, do you want to share with listeners where they can go to find out more about you? Uh, sure. I mean, I have... Um I have a uh, you know my my firm's trading uh, um, site is is Melisino's Trading. I think uh, w- w- will you have it in the um, in the show notes something because of my uh, my name may be a little, <laughs> yeah, little bit difficult. Absolutely. To, uh, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So if anyone wants to check out uh, Michael's site 
and you know a bunch of other links and any of the resources that we've we've talked about in this interview, um, including Ed's site. I'll link to that also. Yeah. Uh, so they'll all be at chatwithtraders.com forward slash thirty four. Um, everything will be there in the show notes. So yep, I'll, I'll link to your website in there. So definitely, uh, I, I suggest everyone goes over there, checks it out. Uh, are you on Twitter also? Yep. Um, not not very active on it, but okay. uh, I'm 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 on it. Um, it's just uh, it's M Melisinos. Um, again, I would put that in the show notes because my I'm sorry, my name is Greek and it's it's kind of tough, but it's like it spells like Melissa. Uh, so it's just M M E L I S S I N O S. Got um, it. Got it. Yeah, no doubt. I'll link to that in the show notes also. Um, so yeah, because uh, I know many of the many of the listeners are quite active on Twitter. So I'm okay, sure they'd like yeah. to check you out there. But y- yeah, um, for 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 a long term uh, systematic uh, trend follower, you know, Twitter. Other than maybe posting some uh, maybe more uh, deeper long long form. Uh, type of content uh you know being on there you know like the stock twits guys like you'll never see like a long-term trend fall on there because he doesn't really you know he's not doing much he's not doing as much as uh, some of those other uh, more active guys so um i know twitter's good i know twitter's good for that but um, yeah uh yeah for me and my style no but yeah i, I should post i should be posting more uh you know, informational stuff on there though <laughs> I, yeah. I think you know. You know who does does that well is uh, is Jerry Parker. He was one of the the turtles uh, that that Covell uh, highlighted in his book many times. He's been on his podcast a few times. He he's good, um, and he's been around a long time. He's probably a billionaire um, billionaire trend follower turtle. Probably the most successful turtle. But uh, yeah, he he does that well on, on Twitter. Go check him out. For sure. Okay. Yeah. Now that's really good. Again, Michael, thank you very much for doing this. Uh, We'll call it a wrap and let's talk soon. You got it. You've come to the end of this episode of Chat with Traders, but don't worry, more great episodes are on the way. To stay updated with each great new episode, be sure to subscribe to the podcast in iTunes and we'd love it if you leave us a rating and review. We'll see you next time on Chat with Traders. 